This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. On today's show, the guys talk with Brendan Laughlin and John Cruzan from the Wellington School in Columbus, Ohio, about the Wellington Student Engagement Index. We've got an East Initiative update and more. That's up next on EduTech Guys. EduTech Guys Radio, radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on the site of this program for those who participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys Radio. I'm David Henderson. Hey, and I'm Jeff Madlock. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We've got a great show uh, for you lined up today. We're going to talk with a couple of guys from the Wellington School in Columbus, Ohio about their software program that they are uh, that they've rolled out now to half a dozen, or I mean, a, a dozen or more schools uh, for the Student Engagement Index. Very cool stuff going on there. Yeah, the Wellington Index. We'll talk about it here pretty soon. But first, be sure to follow along with all things EduTech Guys on Twitter. Just look us up, EduTech Guys. Look on Google, type in E-D-U-T-E-C-H-G-U-I-S, and I promise you will find us. We're out there, Instagram, YouTube, Ugram, Instachat, FaceTube, Instabook. <laughs> FaceTube. <laughs> that is great. Oh, FaceTube. That's a FaceTube. When, when, when YouTube dies, that's the next one. That's FaceTube. FaceTube. Because that's where you feed the videos into your FaceTube. That's right. Into when your FaceTube. When, when the robots take over. Right. So, yeah, listen, uh, catch us on the web, www.edutechguys.com. Go down to the bottom of the page, and you will find a nice little form that you can reach out and touch us with. Also, you can just catch us on Edutech Guys and send us a message. And uh, you can email either Jeff at edutechguys.com or David at edutechguys.com. Let us know what you think of the show, if you'd like to be on the show, and if you'd like the show to burn in hell. No, just <laughs> let us know. Reach out to us any good time and always on social media. Yep, it's one of those days. It's, it's a little exciting, isn't it? It is, man. It's, I think it's because it's been raining here so much. I think we're both just a little bit maybe. Uh, it's that whole, yeah. I feel like I've, I've just been trapped and I'm, the weather's been, ugh. Well, it, it's so crazy. I was actually uh, at a at a two-day training up uh, in a, well, I, I'll just say it. Up in Maumel, Arkansas, for a lot of the uh, Maumel, get in the house. <laughs> uh, for a lot of the uh, 
the, the statewide data systems uh, that uh, the uh, Arkansas Department of Education provides to its schools and to the public, for that matter. Uh, so they had a two-day training learning about all that stuff, and it was it was drizzling you know, on the way in. It wasn't anything major, at least not as far as I was concerned. I didn't think twice about it, so it, it's a it's a almost two-hour drive, not quite, but uh, almost a two-hour drive back to my house. Didn't dawn on me to check the weather, what was going on down in this part of the mm. state, and holy cow. Yeah. So I turned the corner to start heading down the road to my house, and um, there's flood water every. Luckily, luckily, though, there was a car ahead of me. So I stayed far enough back, and I monitored where they went through the water, and then if they went through you know, yeah. relatively safely, then I yeah. took that same path. And if it looked like their car was about to get sunk, then I would not take that path. I'd go a different way. But, I mean, on part of our, uh, we live on a little country dirt road, and part of that road is just completely washed out uh, on on the right side. And then about halfway down, it's washed out on the left side. So you kind of do this weird dance with your car yeah. just because it's been such a mess. Uh, it's so deep. I saw the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald out in the middle of one of the... Uh, <laughs> Intersections here in Hope. <laughs> it's, uh, but I mean, it's, oh, it's been so crazy. You know, some places have gotten ten to twelve inches of rain. That's Can you insane. believe it? You know, it's it's so bad. But my, I have a new weather app, and it's kind of an audio. It picks a song to represent the weather. And when I get in the car and I turn it on, it's going, "It's raining, men." <laughs> Hallelujah! I was like, "Wow, that's a lot of rain." Yeah, it's raining, men. Well, and you know, this and you morning could, you could hear him hitting the the hood of the car. You. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and this morning it was, you know, I can see clearly now the rain. Oh, that's true. That, that's pretty good. Thanks. That's good. Hey, listen, we have a great show for you today. <laughs> in fact, we're going to bring it on right now. We're going to yeah. bring the guys well, in and uh, and uh, take a have a talk with uh, John and Brendan with the Wellington Institute. Awesome. All right. So up next, we've got a couple of special guests here on the program. They're going to share a very, very cool project that they've got going on. So welcome to the show. Introduce yourselves, guys, and uh, tell us who you are, who you're with, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll just roll from there. Uh, well, I'm John Cruzan. I am the Director of Technology at the Wellington School in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I've been here for 28 years, and uh, I started off as a uh, nuclear physicist and uh, at, worked at Los Alamos and uh, got sucked into education. And so I've sort of brought that uh, scientific background to uh, uh, education and technology since then. Uh, so I love data, and uh, and thankfully here at Wellington, uh, we've come to embrace data, so uh, it's great being here. Awesome. Man, that's very cool. Sure, and I'm Brendan Laughlin. I've been at the Wellington School for about six months. Um, I'm a Venture for America fellow, so I'm uh, interested in entrepreneurship and starting new businesses and working on new projects, which is what brought me to the Wellington School to work on the Engagement Index. Wow, that's very cool. Such such diverse backgrounds, and yet brings you together for this one common purpose. I, I love, I love, I got sucked into education. <laughs> so it's funny, you were a nuclear physicist, and you got caught in the black hole of education. No. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, you know, that's really true. So tell us about the Wellington School. Tell us about your mission and, and what you provide there. And how it so we can talk about it so we can learn about what led to the Wellington engagement index. Sure, um, uh, Wellington School was founded as a coeducational independent day school here in Columbus, Ohio, sort of as a alternative to the traditional 
um, old school Ivy crusted walls uh, of, of single sex education in Columbus. And uh, it was founded by a group of um, prominent businessmen who uh, looked out at the landscape, educational landscape and said, uh, we want something different. Uh, we are all entrepreneurs. And so we want to found a school that has an entrepreneurial spirit, um, a progressive institution that's willing to embrace new ideas. So um, our, uh, some of our founders include Dave Thomas, the uh, founder of Wendy's, Wendy's. Uh, <laughs> and some other prominent names like that. And uh, so we uh, got off to the start um, with education and uh, technology at our heart. Uh, one of our other founders was the founder of CompuServe. And uh, so uh, from day one, we had, uh, we had a whole lab of Commodore 64 computers. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so um, uh, we've always been a progressive institution and that entrepreneurial heart has uh, continued uh, through our history. And um, uh, we were founded in 1982 and uh, we've been a full uh, K through 12 uh, independent school uh, since uh, 1990. Mm. And um, so we're, uh, we're into our middle age now. We're mm -hmm. no longer the, the school that we're not sure whether we're gonna be open the next year uh, in those early years. And we're now into a nice middle age period. And, uh, and yet we continue to innovate and be different um, every year. We, we try to do something new and unique. And so uh, what started about um, four or five years ago uh, with our current head of school, Rob Brisk, uh, he wanted to investigate this idea of student engagement. Uh, he didn't like the concept of standardized testing being the single benchmark that uh, determines educational success and failure. Mm -hmm. And uh, he uh, and some of the other thought leaders here at Wellington uh, got together in a, in a meeting and said, what would be our better benchmark? If we think back at our history, um, what's a better benchmark of the classes that we really loved or that we still carry with us today and, and, and things. And this, this concept of uh, an enge fully engaged student uh, is what kind of came from that conversation. And it's about the same time that this term student engagement started to enter the educational uh, lexicon. Sure. And um, so, we, as, uh, as Wellington said, oh, this is great. We're going to improve student engagement. And then we looked around and we said, well, if we're going to improve it, we better be able to measure it. And we didn't really see any tools out there that uh, measured uh, what we defined to be engagement. Mm -hmm. And um, so, the, the, so along that entrepreneurial line, uh, we decided, well, we should... Um, we should reward our teachers for innovative ideas. Mm. So we created what are called uh, engagement grants. And so teachers can apply internally for money. And the money is not just to support buying the materials, but is to pay themselves for the extra effort to develop innovative programs. And that has gone over really well. And uh, this uh, Wellington Engagement Index that we're gonna talk about is uh, one of the items that came out of that first year of development of these engagement grants. And it was created in an effort for us to have a measurable item to quantify uh, student engagement so we can decide whether things we choose to do improve them or or not. Sure. Yeah. That's man. Wow. There's okay. 
There's a lot to digest. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I, for us, to, we, we always like to formulate, we have to formulate questions on the fly. And so my brain's going, ah. I'm like, oh, man. I actually have a great. So let's jump right into it with both feet. Let's just, let's jump into the index. Um, okay. So you defined it. And so what data are you, what data are you pulling and what um, algorithms are you applying to reach this engagement number that we're looking for. So it's not really a risk factor. We're not looking at risk. We're looking at engagement. We're looking at um, attendance, grades, um, test scores, RTI. What are, what are we looking at there? Uh, none of those. Okay. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, there we go. Oh, you hit the nail on the head. Way to go. <laughs> I completely understand the subject, yes. <laughs> we, um, we, we decided to define engagement as the intersection between loving what you're doing and being uh, deeply challenged by it. Uh, so uh, we, we, we come by that definition of thinking about all of those activities that you were, were, were involved in as a child or even as an adult where you've been like lost in the zone, uh, you know, you're so deep into it that you don't, don't see time passing. And we had a lot of conversations around that and said, well, what was it about those uh, activities that just completely engaged you? And it was that, well, you clearly love what you were doing or you wouldn't get lost, wouldn't get lost in it. And your brain is so fully uh, activated that um, the challenge level is not a negative. It's a positive. Mm -hmm. um, it's like you can do something and be very good at it, but if it's so easy, you're kind of bored by it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you can do things that are so hard that they make you hate. Yeah. So there's this, beautiful uh sweet spot between um being being ground down being bored and we call that sweet spot engagement uh so what we do is we take a very simple thing uh, if we want to find out whether the students are engaged or not we decided we would ask them and so uh the engagement asks them to give us a two-dimensional rating so imagine an X and Y plot, like uh, like an old school uh, graph of X versus Y. Sure. And the horizontal axis is a range from hate it on the left-hand side to love it on the right-hand side. And the vertical axis is from uh, unchallenged to challenged. So the first quadrant, the positive love it and positive challenge, that upper right-hand corner, is where we want students to be, uh, and we call that engaged. Uh, we have nicknames for the other four quadrants. Uh, you hate it and it's really challenging. We call that the grind. Mm. Uh, you hate it and it's and it's too easy. We call that bored. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you really love it, but it's too easy, we call that the entertained. Okay. And so, okay. uh, so what we do is we simply prevent provide the students a list of their classes, and we say, okay, drop your class on this grid. You're going to put a dot uh, in in this x y plane. Uh, giving your overall impression of that course. So we don't ask, what about the curriculum? What about the teacher? What about the classroom? What about the whatever? We just, it's a gestalt type reaction to the, to the experience. And um, they, so they put all their thoughts on the grid. It takes them about two minutes to do this. Sure. Which, as opposed to can having them do a 40-minute survey or whatever, um, it takes about two minutes. And you say, okay, well, what, what use can that be? But we've learned from industry that one of the most powerful things that cor corporations use is this index that you simply ask, would you recommend this or not? Right. And, right. you know, or we're all used to uh, doing a five-star rating on a product on Amazon or wherever. And we get, we get used to 
uh, simple input providing quite detailed output. Sure. So we've been doing this for four years now. So we have four years of historic data in our school, and we also have it in um, a dozen other schools uh, that are using the index as well. And that's independent schools, that's um, public charter schools in Brooklyn, New York. We have uh, rural public schools in Kansas. We So poor schools, tiny little schools with 60 kids and yeah. you know big schools with 1200 so mm -hmm. um it uh and what we find is that that simple xy plot uh produ produces an arrangement of, of dots we call a constellation and if we watch how those constellations change over time well we can begin to see when students are beginning to become at-risk students we can see uh, which students are our superstars, and we want to use them to tell the story of our school. Mm -hmm. um, we can intervene with teachers that um, are uh, struggling to make connections. Uh, we can intervene uh, and find teachers that are superstars and and hook them up with new teachers and see if there's going to be a information exchange. Uh, all this comes from asking for a simple couple dots on a screen, and right. uh, and uh, it's been amazing the amounts of things that we can do. Um, in our curriculum and the improvements we've made. So we we set a goal. We had no idea. We did this for the very first time, and we counted up how many dots were in the Engage Quadrant. It was like 53%, and we looked at each other and said, is 53% good? We had no idea. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we got a number anyway. Right. Yeah, we got, we got a start, place to start. And, uh, and we just arbitrarily said, okay, well, if we have 53% now, uh, let's set a goal to be 60% as and and so we've used it as a measure of motion in the right direction as opposed to an absolute number and just this last time we did the index so four years later we just cracked our 60 percent mark and uh and that's due to continuing to innovate our curriculum uh rearranging teaching schedules to match teachers to their strengths mm -hmm. um intervening with uh, students that are at risk and uh, finding out from them what is it about the experience that that's good and bad. And so it's uh, been pretty transformative for us. Yeah, that's very cool. So is the, um, so my, so how often do you guys have them drop those dots on that, uh, that plot? Is it yeah, every three months, every two weeks? Is it as often as the kids want to? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we, uh, at our school, we originally did it three times a year, once in the middle of each of our trimesters. Mm -hmm. uh, but we thought that that didn't quite capture the uh, overall experience because mm -hmm. we did it in the middle. So that kind of avoided the, you know, the big project uh, end of trimester mm -hmm. experience. So now we're doing it six times a year, uh, uh, middle and end of each of our trimesters, um, which gives us two pieces of data for each trimester course. And it gives us six pieces of data for our year long courses. And um, then uh, we've talked about doing it more often as a measure of like uh, what would happen if you change a unit and do some A-B type testing and uh, see if that makes more change. But uh, we've coined the term dot fatigue. And yeah. what we don't want to do is ask them too often because we fear that if you ask them every week, they will begin to just simply throw dots to on the screen right. without a conscious thought as to why. Yeah, exactly. We think we're at the sweet spot at the uh, six times a year. Yeah. So when you came up with the hypothesis of trying this and having the four quadrants, um, when you got to the uh, to the lab stage, okay, let's start making this happen. 
Was it simplicity and complexity of that, okay, if you're engaged, then we know this, and we can go ahead and generalize that this is where the students are, this is where the teachers are, and when we're in the grind, this is possibly where the students are. How did you define those areas so that you knew that, well, the kids are here in the grind, so where does that put that teacher in that class, and where does that put that student, and how do we make them a better teacher, and how do we engage the student to move them across over to engaged? Yeah, we, um, uh, so you're right. The The dots don't tell us the reason. The mm-hmm. dots reveal that there's a, something interesting going on, and now it's time to go find out what else is going on mm-hmm. there. So uh, one of the things that we did is we completed what we <clears throat> do as the picture project. Uh, we, um, we took pictures of all sorts of educational settings, uh, teacher sitting, teacher standing, teacher moving around, teacher... Uh, sitting next to a student, a classroom with traditional sled desks, a classroom with tables, group work, all these things. And we plastered all those pictures around on the wall in a conference room, and we invited students to come in, and we said, find a a picture that speaks to you, that you know where that educational experience would go in our grid. Um, Put a dot on the grid and note the the number picture that you chose, and now write and tell us about why you put it there in both a pedagogical reason, a teacher aspect, a room aspect, a, um, you know, we had five or six of these measurables and we asked them just a free form text, uh, write out why they put that dot there. Oh, wow. And so then we analyzed that feedback and said, um, the number one thing that puts a student in the engaged quadrant is connection with the teacher. So as soon as we knew that the students were valuing that very highly, we can begin to have conversations with our teachers and and training and things about how do you engage better with students. So we intervene in that way. Um, we learned that um, that some of our classrooms had white linoleum lines on the floor that designated the difference between where the students sat and where the teachers were. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. it was sort of like, imagine the front of the room, there was like this white no-go line. Yeah, right? And it was just crazy that some architect decided to put this white line in our floor. And we found that if the teacher crossed that line, uh, it was an engaging experience. And if the teacher sat up, was on one side of the line, the teacher suits were on the other side, it was, you know, rated low. Oh, wow. right. So it, there was a lot of these kinds of mystery things. And so little, little minute uh, details that you never would have yeah, thought exactly. of. Yeah. And so we were able to find uh, from that additional project, some of the supporting things that we could then test mm-hmm. by modifying and uh, using the dots to be our measure uh, of the engagement index to be our measure of these interventions. You know, that had cool. to be, that had to be really exciting in the experimental stage because you're winning every day. You're finding new things. I mean, you know, yep. That doesn't always happen when you get to that point. It's like, well, that failed, that failed. But this sounds like it was a win-win-win, like the linoleum on the floor or, you know, when a teacher stands next to me, this is engaging, and you learn that that's going to be a part of that. I'm sorry. You... No, I, I was just I, – I'm, I'm curious. Um, Brendan hasn't said anything yet, so I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious. You know, as, as, the new ki- as the new kid on the block, you know, you're, you're just now coming into this. You said you've been here like six months, right? So yeah. – so from your perspective, what are some of the things that you have seen yeah. just in the short time you've been there? And, and in addition to that, um, what are some of the things that you see room for improvement as essentially an outsider coming in? Sure. So 
As far as things that I've seen in regards to the index, most of my work is working with other schools that are using the data. Mm -hmm. So I'll just be sitting here looking at the data on my screen and then I'll call up somebody and talk to them about what I think I see in the data, what um, curriculum might need changing, like is your math curriculum too easy or what have you. And when I'm doing that sort of work with other schools, it's always really amazing how I can say like, okay, this two minute test tells me that this teacher is, the students just hate being in this class and this teacher is really, really challenging, but this teacher is a superstar, just fantastic. And they can say, yeah, we, uh, we took a couple other tests to kind of indicate all that. Um, it's amazing that this just lines up so easily after only doing this for two minutes. Right. Um, and, you know, similarly showing them things that they would never have known about, like, you know, oh, your, your music classes are like really entertaining, but there's just no challenge there. And then they might think, right. oh, well, we thought that they were fantastic. So maybe we need to work on this. Sure. So from, from being an outsider, who's never been in education until now, it's really interesting just, you know, seeing what this data can indicate and, and learning about ways that this can be improved. Yeah. You know, that's interesting that you said that one of the big talks now, entrepreneurial spirit, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, which <laughs> it's always been a big thing, but now, you know, it's blah, blah, blah. We hear a lot of it. And one of the things that pops up is that what really makes you happy might not be the perfect job for you just because it makes it makes you happy. That might not be the job you need to do to make your living to do the thing that makes you happy. <laughs> so <laughs> back to students here. Are you seeing that the engagement showing you that these students are finding maybe that they are engaged in certain areas, but that's that's not what makes them happy or vice versa that we're seeing. How, how is it affecting your students? Because it's been four years now, so you've graduated some kids out of the system. And what have you learned about in, in that area? Are they are they happier? Are they finding their life goals are easier to go to college or straight into the workforce or that startup or a coffee shop or whatever they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> that one, uh, that's a tough one. It's hard to uh, hard to measure happiness, and uh, we're actually in, currently involved in a research project on that one too. Oh, cool! Uh, <laughs> using some work by a guy named Seligman from uh, Pennsylvania. He's a, a psychologist that uh, is all about wellness and happiness. So uh -huh. that's a, another program we have going here. But um, but what it is is we um, our curriculum has been shifting towards this concept of finding a an an opportunity for a high school student or a middle school student somewhere in your career to have a moment to dive deeply into something that you really are engaged mm. in love. Okay. And uh, this, uh, the index has helped us to um, find those types of things that are deeply engaging and um, kind of reinforce the programs that we thought were really unique and creative and, 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 um, and deep and uh, helped us identify ones that maybe were, we thought they were in highly engaging. And it turns out that they were just maybe smoke and mirrors or something sure. else. You know? sure. And so, um, so that's been good. And, um, and as far as our students who graduate, of course, we all believe that all of them go on to wonderful and, and <laughs> sure. successful. We have to, sure. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but uh, there's always some uh, anecdotal stories of our, of our, um, of our students who have gone through these deep experiences. Actually, I have one the other day. Um, uh, we had a program called Senior Focus that came from uh, a New Jersey school that my our head of school started there and brought 
here. And what it is, it's an opportunity for a, a senior to find a, a uh, area of passion that they investigate all, all year long as a senior. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of our students um, investigated uh, exoplanets, the existence of planets uh, outside of our solar system. Mm -hmm. He was connected through this program to a group at the Ohio State University, which is nearby here. And he actually worked on analyzing data, wrote a couple of scientific papers as a senior in high school, wow. uh, went on to uh, get his uh, degree from Northwestern University um, and, uh, and dabbled around with some other exoplanet uh, research. Um, and uh, just recently, he had uh, started a job as a uh, sort of a fancy version of a tech support guy uh, at a company in Colorado. And we invited him back here to uh, talk about his experience and senior focus as an alumni at our annual curriculum night. And he presented what he'd done and uh, what his career path was. And uh, there, was a, um, there was a professor in the audience that uh, liked his story so much that he offered him a PhD candidate position right there at the end of the evening. Wow. And it was because he was able to articulate his passion for the subject and what he'd gone through in a way that was um, so unique and so honest that um, that he was, you know, must been must have been very impressive. Right. Must have been, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, and, that's that's pretty uh, that, impressive. Those are the kinds of courses that this um, this investigation into um, curriculum in a deep, uh, engaging way that pulls the students into that conversation about what part of the curriculum works and what doesn't um, is a success story. Yeah, well, and, and I think that to me, that's one of the most important things that you touched on um, during that particular conversation is that it forced you that using the index and talking with the students and your faculty, working with them, sometimes shows you, you know, the ugly side of things, the things you thought were this awesome, great thing, and it turned out, eh. Not so much, and and really, that was gonna. That was one of the kind of follow up questions I wanted to ask Brendan. When you're working with those schools, you're looking at that data, and you go to a school where you see something like that, where you say, you know, according to you know, or according to the dots, uh, this particular class just doesn't seem to you know be engaging. It's it's not moving toward you know that goal. And have you had a situation where the district was like, well, but we love that class and we're going to keep that class. And, you know, despite all the data you're showing us, we're going to keep going down this road. Or do you are or do they change their mind when they see the data? So when schools get this data back, they're typically they're typically interested in trying to find ways to improve. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if they see a certain course that's just not doing well, my message to them is never get rid of the course. And that's never what they're interested in hearing. Right. Sure. It's more, okay, here's a course that's disengaging. Here's a similar course that's really highly engaging. What can we take from these engaging courses to implement in the disengaging courses to help improve them? Ah. Right. So it's always trying to find strengths and weaknesses sure. so that you can use both to innovate and improve. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So where are the comparison charts you guys have for the rest of the schools so we can go, okay, let's take a look at this and see the cross-referencing? Because I know you've built those, exactly what you're talking about here. Let's take a look at this course or this student or this teacher, and let's find out why they're not engaged here, and let's cross-reference it with why it's engaging here. And I, I know you're building, 
I can only guess the data that you guys are crunching. I can, it's got to be massive at that level. Um, are you turning those out into layman documents so that the schools can better understand them, you know, kind of a quick cheat sheet instead of having to you know, deep dive into everything to find the answer to it? I think we'll both take an answer at that one. Uh, okay. The actual tool has um, a dashboard okay. uh, that digests the data down to uh, make it uh, accessible to people that are not super data geeks. And uh, so what we attempt to do in the dashboard is provide uh, risk ratings for items. Mm -hmm. So uh, you, you basically an algorithm that identifies the highly at risk students and, uh, and uh, classes, for example. And so if you're gonna go look for the ones that we should intervene on, you can just take those top five from the dashboard awesome. and, and those are the ones to go work on. Um, and then um, uh, Brendan, you probably have an answer on sort of the crunching of the data and the analysis we've been attempting to do to build um, uh, norming and, and other types mm -hmm. of reports. Yeah, so we're still working on getting like a bigger and bigger data set so that we can try to do that norming and see, you know, how do um, Protestant schools compare to each other and how do public schools compare in different mm -hmm. sizes and, um, maybe different races and ethnicities, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's all, these are all ongoing projects as we continue to get more data. What we have been able to do um, with data at Wellington is try to build models to see how does engagement data impact grade levels, for instance. Mm. So we can see that, okay, if a student is really highly engaged in this class, they're gonna get say a 91% on average in the course. Mm if they're entertained, so they're having a great time, but it's so easy, right? They're gonna get like a 96% from the course sure. across the whole school, right? And that stands for if you're in the grind, you're gonna get like an 87%, you're gonna do worse because you're just, you're just working too hard, you know? So we've been able to find different ways to connect the dot data to real world examples. And we're constantly working on finding new things that it indicates and new ways we can reference and study the information. Yeah. That's cool. Absolutely. So um, just kind of a cross-section of the schools that are, are coming in. There are 14 schools, if I remember the number correctly. Um, 12, 13, yeah. Yeah. So a, a cross-section of those schools, um, big, small, rich, poor, um, black, white, uh, Hispanic, large um, uh, ELL population. Can it give us a cross-section? Are we still dealing with kind of the same you know, socioeconomic background, or have you have you have you jumped out to say you know middle of Texas or you know the Panhandle of Oklahoma? Sure. So our smallest school <clears throat> is a uh, independent farm school. It's got they have fifty five students. Oh. Our largest is a is a fourteen hundred student big independent school in a major city. Um, we have, like we mentioned before, we have a charter school, public charter school in Brooklyn mm -hmm. that's mostly. Um, African-American students. We have rural districts in Kansas. So we're all over the gamut from public charter to public to independent to religious. That's cool. Huge, small, mm. all over. Yeah. Cool. So are you, uh, have you, and, and, and forgive me, I, I haven't done all my research. So, um, but uh, are you and or have you taken what you've learned so far and uh, have, have you turned this into um you know, speaking engagements, is there a book deal in the works? You know, are you looking at publishing your research? Where can we download it? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, um, we, uh, the head of school, Rob Brisk, and I have spoken at um, the Isaacs conference a couple times. That's um, 
the association of our central state um, teaching uh, teaching institutions. Uh, we've spoken there. Uh, we have been invited to a couple of conferences we're considering going to present at, uh, and um, and uh, we are in the process of attempting to write a couple of white papers on the subject. Mm -hmm. And what we've discovered is that um, neither of us are very good at writing white papers, but uh, <laughs> we love to talk about it. But writing about it has been a challenge. But that's in the works, and uh, and I think the long-term goal has always been uh, in in our mind that we want to write a book about. Uh, here's what we learned and here's what you should uh, or here's what we suggest are great ways to try and improve engagement. Um, sure. Uh, who knows? So when as soon as it comes out, we'll send you guys a copy. So I, I want to know I want to know where writing white papers falls on your index. That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right. It's, uh, it's challenging and not so much fun at the moment. Okay. <laughs> that falls into grind, isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's fun. This, this whole thing has been so empowering here at Wellington that, that like, these new ideas are, are um, encouraged and, uh, and celebrated and... Um, so that that's how we ended up bringing Brendan in here is we we kind of had this idea that, you know, it, independent schools are so tied to tuition dollars and mm -hmm. uh, and we happen to have a whole bunch of brilliant people here in the building as exemplified by our uh, engagement grant ideas that we get every year. And so um, we've thought, you know, why can't we spin off some of these ideas as potential business models and and um, streams of income? That might help us balance out endowment funds and and, sure. and tuition dollars. Yeah. And so um, we uh, we're lucky that we our board members continue to be entrepreneurial at heart, and so they've embraced the idea. And so this is our first endeavor to try and take an idea that's great for us and try to spin it off in a way that makes it available to everyone at a reasonable cost, but maybe gets us a little bit uh, of uh, entrepreneurial. Um, uh, payback here and in the end so yeah absolutely uh, and we've got uh we've got another project that we call peerview that's um all about uh facilitating peer-to-peer -peer, um feedback and observations oh. and uh, mm -hmm. that one has been uh has rolled around here very well and we're getting close to trying to get some other schools to try that one out as well yeah. so you kind of see that we're uh trying to be a little incubator for yeah, sure. educational um technologies here um at wellington and that's why we brought brendan on it's like well we're a bunch of educators we don't know how to make a business become a business <laughs> yeah, so we yeah. said hey let's go find one of these venture for america <laughs> fellows and and uh see if he can make it happen absolutely so, looks that like you great. gotta win you gotta win there yeah that's um so uh listeners want to find out more want to get involved want to incubate um want to use you know the index want to find out more what's the best way for them to get in touch with you guys Sure. So you can go to our website at wellington.org slash WEI. Or honestly, if you just want to directly email me, you can email me at Laughlin at wellington.org. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, and we'll throw that out on the old social media and everywhere and make sure everybody knows about it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed. David and I definitely need to try to make a trip and come see you guys. We'd love to come on site and meet the kids and meet the teachers and meet the professors and everyone. I think it would be yeah, a lot of fun. Very cool. Yeah. We love sharing the we love sharing the stories. We and I'm, it sounds like you guys have a lot of student voice and a lot of student stories to share. Probably, yeah, that's true. That's uh, probably one of the most uh, central parts here at Wellington is student uh, 
voice. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, we want to thank you guys for coming on the show, and please keep us involved. Uh, we'd like to continually share your experience and your 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 travels here, your journey, because uh, it sounds like it's it's got to be an everyday discovery, and that that's a that's a great journey to take. It is, and thanks for having us. Awesome, yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you guys so, so much. Up next, we've got the latest East Initiative update here on EduTech Guys. Hello, everyone. I'm Spencer Watson with the East Initiative. Welcome to the East Update. Winning Founders for us students was an incredible experience that I think all of us will take with us for the rest of our lives. It really changed our program because Miss Jill pushes us to do our best, but Winning Founders really set the bar high and really pushed students to create more sophisticated projects and use technologies that would be out of their comfort zone normally. Not only has this affected our program so much, but also our community in general, it's a pretty normal occurrence in our town to help your neighbor out. But through East, we're able to do that in a tangible way, in a way that, I mean, is truly helpful, more than just loaning flour to your neighbor type of thing. What you just heard was students from Buffalo Island Central High School talking about how their program and their community have changed since winning the Timothy R. Stevenson Founders Award. It's the highest achievement any school can attain in East, sort of like winning the Best Picture Academy Award. It's handed out at the annual East Conference, which just happens to be coming up March 13th through 15th at the Hot Springs Convention Center. There, Buffalo Island will have the honor of announcing this year's Founders winner. As last year's winner, BIC is not eligible to win Founders. So you might think they've been resting on their laurels, that these students haven't exactly been driven this year. But you'd be wrong. The heart of East is community service, and these students live to serve. So sit back, get comfortable, and listen to what the 2017 Founders Award winners have been up to since winning. So in Buff at Buffalo Island, we're currently building a new school. And this new school is a fight for our community because some people didn't want to see the change. And in order to generate this excitement, our superintendent wanted us to build the school in Arcticat. So Carly Bard, one of our juniors, decided, hey, I'll take on this project, and has allowed our school board and superintendent to give people a virtual walkthrough of what the high school would look like. There's also allowed teachers to see the logistics of their classroom, about how they went desk or tables to be set up, and has given our technology coordinator, Brandon, he's been able to say what technology he wants and what classrooms and what was the most feasible way to run the lights. One of our East students has created a uh, cheap, you know, easy to use gas sensor using an Arduino board and a methane sensor. We've been able to conduct Korean War veteran interviews and also create a Reader's Theater out of those interviews. And we're still in the process of doing the Reader's Theater, but we hope to um, make a podcast out of it. We have a lot of really cool ideas and we're really excited about it. Uh, we were asked by our superintendent with the new school about mapping bus routes. This specifically is a big problem because, you know, we live in a rural area where our buses go out, you know, these places, county roads and stuff like that, not knowing where the students are or where they live. So we decided to tackle it with ArcGIS and we found the most efficient way to get our students to school. This also opened up another opportunity by, in Leechville by us mapping city bus routes. 
About seven years ago, Miss Sandra Clark uh, suffered from a stroke and it rendered one of her ankles pretty much useless. So she has to use this brace that you see here. And she came to us because of the good publicity that we had received from winning founders. And she was telling us, she was like, I don't like this brace. It's so bulky, it's heavy, it's not doesn't look good. I can't wear it with many types of shoes. So she wanted us to print it, she wanted us to hook her up with a better one, basically. Android application is kind of a new program we've taken on this year. We've been using MIT App Inventor to create an app for our school, and it just allows parents, teachers, and students to have access to general information about BIC. We have partnered with the Bethel Island Museum, and there's been a decline in visitors to the museum, and in order to boost that, we have used the HP Reveal app, which uses augmented reality, to register all the tools that you see behind Ms. Jill there, and visitors will be given an iPad through a grant given to the Buffalo Island Museum. And when they, when they shine this iPad, it scans the tool, and it pops up like a biography about who would use it, what this tool was used for, and it can also bring up uh, interviews of people talking about how they used the tools when they were younger working on the farms and stuff like that. So we really hope it will boost uh, more visitors to the museum. A popular program we have at our East Classroom is Adopt-A-Grandfriend. We partner our local nursing home, Monette Manor, and East students come and visit one of the residents there for about 35 minutes during their class period, just talk to them and spend time with them, play games, things like that. We've also partnered with our nursing home to create informational folders for potential residents. Yeah, our ESL project helps battle this reoccurring problem that we have. As a student, we've seen plenty of other students that have come that can't really understand English, especially Spanish. I've had to come in many classrooms to help explain the work and such. Now, we decided to tackle this project head on by using HP Reveal to make a fun, augmented reality way to teach English to students that don't know English. All that without the opportunity to win any big hardware at the end of the year. As Buffalo Island's facilitator, Jill Sanders, will tell you it's just what happens when you give students some high-tech tools and tell them to help people however they can. I'm not an expert in, about everything in my classroom, and that was hard for me to um, adjust to, but it's a great adjustment, and when you sit back and you let the kids, when your classroom is student-led, technology-driven, service-based learning, collaborative, teamwork, it's amazing what kids can do, what these students can do. If you are interested in knowing more about the EAST initiative, from information on student projects to the professional development services we offer to educators of all kinds, please visit www.eastinitiative.org or just search for EAST initiative on social media. If you are interested in finding out how to get an EAST classroom for a school near you, please contact eastinfo at eaststaff.org. That's E-A-S-T-I-N-F-O at E-A-S-T staff .org. Special thanks to Jill Sanders and students Jace Couch, Caden Qualls, Ethan Webster, Christopher Renteria, and Alyssa Hughes of Buffalo Island Central High School. The music you've been hearing is called Low Main by Trey Lewis of East at Nettleton High School. Again, I'm Spencer Watson, and that's the East Update.
Hey, thanks, Spencer. Thanks for letting us know what's happening with the East Initiative and everything that's going on with the students there and the wonderful work that they're doing and the learning that is taking place. Hey, if you want to catch us live, you can catch us live at the East Conference in Hot Springs, Arkansas. That's going to be at the Hot Springs Convention Center, March 13th through the 15th. And then we'll be at the Innovation Institute, June 6th and 7th. That's in Springdale, Arkansas. Yeah, uh, and then we come back to Hot Springs for the Hot Springs Technology Institute in June uh, 20 and 21st. And then uh, we will be at uh, Flipgrid Live. Uh, that's the 2018 Flipgrid Live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, July 31st through August the 1st. Yeah, and we've got that and a whole lot more coming up. We're going to be in all kinds of places. If you've got an event you'd like us to come and provide live conference coverage, or if you'd like us to come and talk to your teachers, your students, your district, uh, feel free to jump out to edutechguys.com, fill out the form on the first page, and we will get back in touch with you about having us come to your place. Definitely. Hey, it's been a great show. Yeah, this has been awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm Jeff Madlock. I'm David Henderson. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to EduTech Guys Radio, radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on this site, this program, to those of participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You, you can, can do, do it, it all, all but, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.